Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without creating division in community. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I'm the care pastor here at Hill City, where we record this and every episode of the podcast. And I am here with my co-host, another member of the team, (laughs) lead pastor, John Wagler. Wags, what's going on? Uh, Matthew. (laughs) Summer heat. Truly. Feeling good, though. Are those the lyrics to an Otis Redding song? <laughs> Summer Heat, feeling good? <laughs> I definitely feel like I've heard that on, on the oldie stage. No, it's all good, man. Kids are wrapping up swim team. Nice. Just fun. Yeah, is that fun? No. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. I would say yes. There, so I, mean, it's I assume long. they don't listen, so you can just say. Yeah, they definitely don't listen. <laughs> they, it's long. Like, swim meets are a long deal. Like, it's... Yeah. Three and a half hours typically. Yeah. Um, but they're fun. Mm. And um, it's good seeing the kids compete. And Nevaeh does diving as well, mm. which is like fun to That's watch. That's cool. Yeah. So they're in champs next week. And yeah. Is diving like the, the big board, the, the high board? Uh, no, they don't do the high, high uh, board. But it's normal. It's higher than the normal like, oh, yeah. ground level. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. And that's a, she's legit. Like she's pretty yeah. good. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't like I played basketball and baseball, but like. I don't know anything about diving. So like when she does something, I'm just like, good job. Like, I don't know what else to say, you know, other than practice hard. That seemed great. Yeah. (laughs) Our kids are in camp and it's like the first time they've been in a thing since, I mean, I don't, I don't even know when, when did RPS like stop meeting March, March of 2020? (laughs) Like, so it's the first time I've regularly like dropped them off at anything in the morning. And it's just like, I want to say, I don't even know what to do with myself. I do. I go to work. For the first time right. in over a year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's been good. And they seem to be having fun. They're like learning ca- cash. This is relevant to what we're talking about today. Cash got like, Cash is my son who's 10 years old. And he got a little like um, quiet uh, a couple of days into camp. And I was like, what's going on, buddy? What You know, what's up? And it's like trying to pry things out of a preteen is hard. And he was finally like, well, we're doing a like we're doing a song from a play. There's like a theater aspect to it. Um and I was like trying to figure out, like, are you nervous? What's going on? Well, they're doing a number from Hairspray. And he's like, he's like, I'm playing a racist guy. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I'm like one of the guys that's mean to the girl. And I was like, oh, OK. And he's like, I don't want people to think I'm really racist. And I was just oh, like, no, man. buddy, you're acting. It's like yeah. I was like, it's yeah. good. It's like yeah. it shows that you're a good actor that that you can be, you know, very opposite of, you know, how you feel in, in real life yeah. or whatever. But it was so it's a lot to put on a 10 year old. I know. Right. I mean, yeah. I think what he says is like, no, you're not allowed to dance or something like that. It's not like he yeah. <laughs> says something yeah. terrible, but it was just funny. It was like, oh, OK. And then I kind of thought like, oh, that's cool. They're doing hairspray and like kind of. Yeah. But it's, you know. Whenever I think of like kid plays, I did, we did Oliver when I was in fifth grade. Yeah. And I still remember like most of the songs. Wow. Weird. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. That's it's super weird. That's one of the only plays I've ever sat through all the way, all the way through huh. Oliver. And it was because I went to see a friend's kid <laughs> who slayed it, by the way. Um, cool. Well, today uh, on our podcast, we are going to introduce um, Rayshon Graves here in just a second. He's going to join us. Um, he's the pastor of Weston Baptist here in town and also uh, co-lead of the Ann campaign here in Richmond. Um, and we are going to talk about these three big letters, uh, CRT. Um, it seems like 
Uh, it's one of those weird things. For me, it's weird because it's kind of like it's kind of like the word Antifa or like these words that um, are suddenly everyone talking about. And it just seems like a such a weird I always say it's kind of like your favorite like artist who's like an underground artist suddenly being on the morning <laughs> show every morning. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So uh, now everyone um, in their uncle and, and aunt and mom and dad and brothers and sisters are all talking about CRT and uh, and it stands for critical race theory. We are going to talk about that. But before we do, we're going to do our new segment for 2021 where we talk about what's going on in our social media feeds called From the Feed. From the Feed. Um, John, what's going on in your feed, man? Well, as I said last time, my algorithm sucked. And so <laughs> I intentionally tried to change them up. And now it's like pretty much full-blown like Olympics. Yeah. NBA Finals just got over, so that was like a large part of it. But mm. the Olympics are, I'm all in. Yeah. I do love the Olympics. Yeah. I am curious of how my relationship with the Olympics will be now that cable TV is not a thing. Because my yeah. relationship with the Olympics was like... I'm sitting down to like eat a bowl of cereal yeah. or or look at, or like do something, and it's really nice to know what's on, and it's the Olympics. It's yeah, always on. Um, and now that that's not the way that we consume TV, that I would have to like go to a streaming service and watch the Olympics. Yeah, I don't know if I'll. Wa- I mean, I I don't know. Maybe I. Will, I'm all in. I love I love the stories. I love. I mean, I love competition, but like I just love like the stories that end up you end up like learning about some of these athletes that you would never know. You yeah. know because. The synchronized swimming team that you would never in a million years watch on a random Saturday. Yeah. You're like locked in being like, I can't believe they're, yeah. look at that routine. And you're all of a sudden judging synchronized swimming. It's like a weird thing. <laughs> like you know thing, anything but like, about yeah, it. Like we yeah. know anything. Yeah. So um, I just love that part of the Olympics. And so excited for that. Ted, I, Ted Lasso also, second season. Ted Lasso yeah. starts back. Friday. So <laughs> excited about that too. Yeah. This episode sponsored by Apple TV. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't... Is it still a thing that like, I feel like when we say stories, there's definitely like, I remember Michael Phelps was a thing or whatever. I feel like the stories are always women's gymnastics. Like, I feel like the women's gymnastics team is always like a pre-baked reality show. It's a big yeah. storyline for sure. That, But I, I like the, um, you get these little stories that end up happening when like they're just athletes from different countries that mm. you don't know anything about. Yeah. Like, and you hear something about their background as a child and now they're doing archery. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but like there, there's like something there that I'm like, it's like, it's intriguing to me. And mm. then just the thrill of the competition and people putting in, I mean, if you can kind of think about it, it's like, man, they have put in everything to peak at this moment this week Yeah, for the last five, well, in this case, five years. But like the, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a lot on people. Yeah. And, and so it's, I don't know. I think it's really cool. It's definitely the only thing I can think of where you can just tune in, have no idea what's going on, and suddenly get wrapped up in it. Totally. <laughs> like you Absolutely. Can't, you can't turn on, like, yeah, halfway through a Law & Order episode and suddenly be yeah. invested in what's going on. But <laughs> I mean, during you, the last Winter Olympics, I watched curling for about 30 minutes. Dude. Yeah. You know, like, I was like... Curling is wild. In yeah. it. I was like, in it, too. You know, I'm like, sweep, 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 sweep. Oh, man. It's underrated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Olympics are in the feed. Uh, mine aren't really, my feed's not really Olympics. I deleted Twitter off my phone, and I was saying earlier that I realize now that that's a detriment to the podcast because <laughs> we're supposed to have content from Twitter to talk about. Um, the only thing in my Instagram feed is uh, uh, people trying to sell me weird T-shirts. <laughs> it's just like, I guess the algorithm is like, caught on to the fact that I 
I'm a little bit of a t-shirt hoarder. Yeah. And so it's just like every bizarre mixture of like, oh, you like Dungeons and Dragons and pro wrestling? Here's a... <laughs> Here's Ric Flair with a pair of dye. <laughs> it's just like the weirdest. Like here's a T-shirt. It's the weird. It's like how I got that. Uh, that which now I've been on TV wearing. So everybody brings it up. The it's like a Run the Jewel. You know the like Run the Jewels yeah. like logo, but it's Black Panthers like gloves. Oh yeah, yeah. Because like, I'm on Instagram. It. I've seen it's like it. you like comic books and rap. Like here's <laughs> they tried to sell it to me too. Man. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all my my feed is just. Uh, capitalism um so all right uh we are gonna go ahead and take a short break and then spend a little bit of time with our friend Rayshawn talking about critical race theory um what it is um what people maybe misconceive it as maybe uh criticisms about it and just kind of um have a larger conversation about this very hot topic y'all know we stay curious over here, 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 here. All right, and we're back to talk about CRT um, with our guest, Rayshawn. Rayshawn Graves, pastor of West End Baptist and co-leader of the AND campaign here in town. Rayshawn, man, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Really appreciate being here with y'all. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You got wife, kids. What's the what's the, what's the the Graves household look like? Yeah, uh, Richmond native, both myself and my wife, Tiffany. Uh, we've been married for 13 years. It was July 12th, so this this past month, this month. And then uh, two kids, uh, Ezekiel, six, and then Ramiah, who's about one and a half. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we're in town and uh, been at West End for three years. And, yeah, we, we just really loving being here and, and growing up in Richmond. And, yeah. That's awesome. What high yeah. school did you go to? I went to Victory Christian, so oh, private okay. school. Um I'm not even sure if it's around anymore. So, okay. Yeah. Oh, so you grew up around here? Yes. Okay, yes. cool. So a Richmonder. Cool. Um, awesome. Well, um, yeah, we're going to talk about critical race theory. I've said that a thousand times already. <laughs> um, just to remind everybody what we're talking about. Um, and I'm just going to quickly sort of give an overview. We never want to assume that everybody – I feel like this is definitely on every news outlet. <laughs> yeah. But we never want to assume that everybody knows yeah. you know, what it is. So um, this is just from Wikipedia, <clears throat> which really quick – I want to defend Wikipedia. It's gotten a lot better over the last <laughs> yeah, couple of years. Oh, and sure. so before anybody sends me a message, it comes at me like, oh, you're getting your info from Wikipedia. It's pretty darn good yeah. at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it is peer-reviewed academia yeah. at this point. Um, so critical race theory, or CRT, is a body of legal scholarship and an academic movement of civil rights scholars and activists in the United States that seeks to critically examine U.S. law as it intersects with issues of race in the U.S., and to challenge mainstream American liberal approaches to racial justice. Now, um, the word liberal is in there, which can be con- can be confusing for some people because right now this is cor- sort of seen as a left-right everything in our country. Everything is left-right. Yeah. <laughs> left-right. Um, but, John, I've actually heard you give pretty good, because I know you've read on sort of neoliberalism and liberalism. Really quick, before we get into it, when it says mainstream American liberal approaches to racial justice, what does that mean? Well, a lot of times when, you know, when we're not talking about left versus right, when the phrasing liberal or liberty comes up, it's like the self-expression and self, like people's choices, like they're, you know, whatever they want to do. Like You are a free agent. Yes, you want. Yes. And so that is typically where that word is brought in. Yeah. And I think, you know, broadly, um, CRT is kind of just the rallying phrase for um, this conversation that we're having about systemic racism, um, you know, the, the idea that um, whether <laughs> that whether the driver of the car is racist or not, that the concept that the car is racist, <laughs> if that makes sense. Is that, 
sense. An analogy that makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense. Um, whereas I think, you know, the sort of opposing view is like, no, people, you know, individually are, are um, racist or prejudiced, but like systems aren't. Is that fair? I, I think we do see both angles on the conversation. Sure. I, yeah. 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 So, John, what, do you, what are your initial thoughts? Well, a, a couple of things off the top. Um, you know, I was in a conversation with somebody or a couple recently and about like our podcast in and of itself. And I just, you know, even when we address topics like this, I just want everyone to know that some of what we're going to say is literally us thinking out loud conversationally. We aren't necessarily like making definitive statements or anything. And we might do a episode on this a year and a half from now that there might be elements that contradict what we say now. And what you're getting is like just live conversational thoughts right and so it's not like some we've prepped this academic research paper but um i think that's important because we're just trying to figure some of this stuff out so one that i think that's important too um rayshawn i you know he he has a wonderful voice on social media so if you're not following rayshawn you should and so um is it good enough that i should re-download twitter Well, I find it's on Instagram. For okay, me, so boom. You're I got there. You. Instagram, you're there. IG, there we go. Yeah. So, um, no, you just do such a good job of like addressing, you know, not just topics around, you know, racism, but like there, you do some Enneagram stuff too. Ooh. Yes. It, I mean, you got to talk later. Yeah. <laughs> nine. Nine. Yeah. Nine. So, right. um, but I, I just, he and I have interacted like loosely on social media and stuff. And so hearing his voice and reading a bunch of stuff, I just wanted him to, it was, it was like, I just I messaged him. I was like, hey, can yeah. you come on the podcast? And so I'm just thankful you're here, Rashawn, and just kind of give your perspective um, as well. And, I, and the third thing I'll say before we kind of get into it is we're in a series on Mark. Mm-hmm. And um, this is actually, I was thinking about this this morning. Um, so often in Mark, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he'll say like, like in, in chapter seven, he says, um, why are you so dull? You know, and um, but so often they're like missing Jesus and his point on the kingdom. Right. And um, and I think he does this to the Pharisees, too, obviously. But there's this I started thinking about like the, this conversation right now. I think if Jesus were here, I think so often around some of the things that are being said. And no matter honestly, no matter what angle or perspective you're coming for, there's a part of this where I'm like, Ah man, I think people are missing the point, and I yeah. think there's that yeah. piece is there. So, um, I just want to put that out there because it does tie into you know we've been talking a lot about Mark, and um, and so that's what I this conversation will keep going back to the gospel. You know, we'll, we'll keep getting there. So I want that to be there. But Rishan, your perspective, I know you've had um, actually listened to your podcast last night. Oh, that's what's Derek up, man. Bell. Yeah. So um, which is really good. And so and what's that podcast for people out there? Space Traders. The Space Traders yeah. podcast. Yes. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, so from your perspective as one, a black man in America and, and everything, when you're, when you're seeing this conversation happen or when you're just kind of engaging it, like for you, like what's your just kind of initial run at all this CRT stuff? Yeah. So what got me into, to looking more into CRT was initially just hearing about the ways that people were being opposed to talking about racism and then labeling it CRT. And so uh, I just know from my experiences and having just a bunch of conversations about race with people, um, you bring up things like systemic racism, institutional racism, and, and just a lot of the history that is just 
largely unknown, just things we don't learn about in schools or, or taught that you sort of find out on your own um, or just find out through your experiences, uh, just being a black man in America. Uh, yeah, I, I when people started saying that's CRT or that's Marxist or that's, you know, this particular way of looking at it, uh, that's anti-patriotic, uh, I went in looking uh, I wanted to read. I mean, I think, uh, you know, as, as followers of Jesus, we, we should be able to engage the Lord with our minds. And so I went and found the first book I could on CRT and I ran into Derek Bell and uh, who's one of the founders of CRT. And so uh, as a black man, as a as a legal scholar, like one of the foremost legal scholars um, and a civil rights uh, activist and attorney, uh, he was just saying a lot of things that that resonated with just not only my experiences, but even things that I've read just about black history and black intellectual thought as it relates to how uh, black people have existed and survived in this country and how we relate in the power dynamics of this country, how we relate to the law and the legal systems and the implications of those things. So Derek Bell was putting all of that out there. And I ran into just some of his parables. He tells these stories and I mean, part of me was just laughing. Part of me was crying. Part of me was like, man, who is this guy? Like he's talking like an old head, you know, who I've, I've heard talk about civil rights and, you know, the past previous history. He's he's including names like Frederick Douglass and uh, James Baldwin and Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. But he's also relating the things, a lot of the things that they said, just the civil rights um, and even black intellectual thought to uh, the civil rights movement and even to the things that are happening post civil rights. So that's how I got into it largely. And, you know, I, I guess it has to be said, I always figure I say I, I'm not a legal scholar or, or a lawyer or anything like that, or even a, a critical race theorist. I mean, that's one of the things that I, I guess I've seen in this is that critical race theory is like to use a basketball illustration. It's like the triangle offense. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's text winner. It's you know, figuring out all the different ways you can get Michael and Scotty and everybody else involved. And all of us are out here playing like preschool rec ball. Like we're playing, you know, we're on the court, yeah. we're learning the game, but we're definitely definitely not engaging in or with critical race theory proper, what it actually is. Uh, and so trying to, trying to sift a little bit. And so one more aspect to it. You know, seeing that Derek Bell is a this you know this black man who uh, just very brilliant. One of the things I didn't want to see was another black man being torn down uh, for being something that he isn't simply because he speaks about racism. And so, it's not that I was trying to come to the defense or you know I just wanted to engage. I mean, whether I agreed or disagreed, um, and that's not to say I fully agree with everything Derek Bell says, but to come to the defense of of another African American man who people would say. He couldn't come up with this on his own. He got it from Marx. So he got it from some, some type of Western liberal um, philosophers or, or thinking. But no, this is something that came from his experiences and um, just his experience as a lawyer and a civil rights activist and attorney. And uh, what does it look like for us to, to engage more with historical black intellectual thought as we talk about racism in, in our country, in our context? Um, yeah. You know, that's you bring up a point that actually is like a is a element of frustration. I think when we engage this topic is whenever we see black intellectual thought come out, people admit, immediately attribute to some other white thinker. Yeah. yeah. You know, like he must have gotten that from. Yeah. Like I remember it was on your podcast. You said that, you know, I think it was yours. I listened to a lot of stuff the other day, but um, 
I think you said on your podcast that so many people think that he pulls stuff from Marx, let's say, but he's never actually read them. Correct. Yes. You know, exactly. So yeah. It's that stuff like it bothers me because like, it happens all the time. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's sort of to me, that was somewhat insulting because, again, that's that's part of the history of this conversation is that is that black people aren't able to develop this kind of thing. We're, we're often either dismissed or part of the conversation is that uh, when we bring up systemic racism and these types of realities that were somewhat delusional. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, to, to run into a guy who was the foremost professor at Harvard uh, and a legal scholar and, and talks about race and to, to hear that he actually didn't get any of this from like some Western European philosopher, whereas the narrative that's being put out about CRT is completely opposite to that. Yeah to know that was actually really refreshing. And uh, I think it was just encouraging and wanting to point people to trying to engage that black intellectual thought. So. And he loves Jesus. And he loves Jesus. Yeah. Yes, he's a follower yeah. of Jesus. And I hated to see him get taken down for yeah for that as well, especially by, by fellow Christians. Yeah. I think one of the other things too that's frustrating around the, the narrative with this, like this is like a uh, 301 conversation. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. critical race theory is not, yeah. What you're teaching your kindergartner. What it's Exactly. It is <laughs> exactly high level yeah. like academic yeah. legal thought. Right. You're in law school and you're in a particular field of study within law school before, before you're actually engaging this like like Derek Bell and and you know Kimberly Crenshaw and, and so many others mm-hmm. have and are uh engaging this. And so yeah, w- of the stuff that we're doing and hearing and listening and reading about just on the news feeds and algorithms algorithms isn't critical race theory as imagined by, uh, you know, Derek Bell, Kimberly Crenshaw and so forth. And critical that came about what late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Late, late eighties, early Mm nineties. Okay. And then my understanding is it's like the next iteration, so to speak of the civil rights kind yeah. of like conversation. Yeah, it's it's sort of the post-civil rights, what happened after the civil rights movement. Again, largely the, the colorblind narrative starts to come out where now, you know, we push the button, we pass the law, everything's race neutral, don't ever bring up race again. And yet it never addressed any of the, uh, any of the injustices or the systemic patterns uh, that happened before civil rights. You know, it's, a, it's the American sort of microwave ideology where you push the button, something's changed, and now... Everything going forward is, well, it's, it can't be racism because we ended that yeah. with a law. And yeah. now that's it. So it critiques that uh, that notion, that that colorblind narrative. Yeah, it's like Brown versus the Board of Education. Yeah, yeah. That people are like, no, we, right. we did it. Right. And it's like, no, no, no. That, yeah. <laughs> the end result was not, like, everyone wasn't getting the same education, yeah. right? Like, that's the mm-hmm. premise is, like, it, it doesn't take care of it. Right. And, and, and Bell even argues that a lot of those big landmark policies, uh, they can be somewhat symbolic more than even actually reaching their intended goal of, of equality. Um, and so, yeah, it, he has a lot to say about it, but that overall, that's what, what drew me in really. Yeah. And I think what's also important, like as we engage, every everyone has different perspectives and to some degree tenets around CRT yeah. and like it, it's not one you can't pin it down. I think it was Kimberly Crenshaw, who's you know one of the other leaders of it. She had said that like it, there's an evolving process to it because we evolve, and so you, it's not just one thing. So people are like, when they're like, "Oh, CRT is being taught in schools," I'm like, 
It's not being taught in schools, first of all. Unless you're unless you're at Harvard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless you're you're in law school at Harvard. But like but and it's like always moving and adapting because of what's happening culturally. That's exactly what she says. It's it's not a noun, it's a verb. I mean, everybody talks about CRT like like it's a you know, it's personified, like you know, I, I don't like that guy CRT. I don't like the way he treats his family or I don't like, you know, how he pays, pays his taxes or where he works or whatever. But it's like, no, CRT is is taking history and history is the thing. And CRT is looking at it and examining it and holding it up to the light and, and making certain conclusions. And, you know, again, because there's so many overlapping patterns and different experiences within this American and even global world system there's so many different ways and experiences that crt looks at and pulls from and so it is like you said it's always changing it's evolving like you do crt you don't crt isn't something that you're picking up and looking at and saying oh this is good this is bad this is something that's that's continuously evolving and even crt um academics and scholars don't always agree i mean like you said they got those places where they meet at and and sort of intersect to use that word (laughs) um but at the same time, there are a lot of different experiences that they pull from and disagree with. So. Yeah. I think it's also important, too, that for for people just as you're engaging this conversationally, let's say, or even just think about it, it's like, why is it even a conversation? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the big why, like, this, like, thinking and, and processing happened <laughs> for a reason, right? Like, there mm-hmm. there is a big why to yeah. this. Even yesterday um, in my feed, mm-hmm. um, I uh, saw... I haven't fixed the algorithms enough yet, I guess. But I saw um, what happened in um, Alabama. I don't know if you guys saw this, but in their city council meeting, um, they had the first black mayor as a woman there. And in in the council meeting, one of the people on the city council um, called her. Uh, he said, do we have a house drops an end bound? Yeah, I did see that in yeah. here. Mm-hmm. And he kept saying it mm-hmm. repeatedly. Yeah. yeah. And um, this is like this just happened right and um you got people in the in the room who are just sitting there no one's saying anything Mm. like so so i'm like this is why these discussions keep happening because guess what that city council is making that man is voting on laws for that you know for that jurisdiction yeah and so there are realities when people are still in places of power and decision making that like these things intersect yeah you know like that is a reality and um even you know in 2012 it's like they all the three biggest banks in america lost a multi-billion dollar lawsuits because they were charging white and black people different loans with the same like if we walked into a bank and you and i had the same credit score you were going to get charged a higher rate yeah Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. farmers right now, black farmers right now in America are in a lo- current lawsuit because they can't get loans from banks. You know, you go to um, uh, they're doing like a large medical study that was just done that like if if a, a black baby is born, they have they they die three times, three times more if they have a white um, doctor. Yeah. Right. And so it, yeah. that's why all these discussions happen. Right. That's exactly. the point. Exactly. Yeah. 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 This this keeps continuing to be a conversation and which is why the the whole narrative of it being in schools and just being more broadly talked about uh, meets the resistance that it does because it hasn't actually been talked about mm-hmm. instead you could even say it's not that that history or the experiences of, of black and brown people in America has been in this sort of neutral place 
actually, you could argue that the narrative has been contrary, uh, running against and even concealing a lot of those experiences. And this is maybe somewhat of an effort to say, maybe we can actually take a true look at history. Maybe we can actually look at some experiences of black and brown people in America and see uh, what exactly is going on, hopefully to, to flourish so that this country can be better for everyone. Uh, but again, you, you meet that resistance and you end up finding out that, you know, CRT is getting used as this sort of juncture or term uh, for people to say, I don't think we should talk about any of it. Mm-hmm. I think we should just continue to, to promote other narratives or other ways of talking about history, tell everybody to get over it. And, you know, anytime we're saying anything uh, bad about our country or bad about America, then that's anti-patriotic and, and that should be shut down. And, and CRT isn't isn't anti-patriotic. It, it's actually looking at the current structure and status of things is looking at the constitution and saying like, how can we be better? How can we do better? Where has this country missed it when it comes to these experiences and the systems uh, that have historically and even presently discriminated against black and brown people in America? Yeah. Yeah. So what are um, some of the thing, what are some of the things that you all have heard as, so I'm, I'm a care pastor, so I sit and talk with people one-on-one, so I have sort of a myopic view of of the congregation because it's very, like, one-on-one. You all are teaching pastors, yeah. um, so more mass communicators. Um, Rishon, starting with you and then to you, John, what are some things that you've heard that have given you pause on this from your congregations? Pushback, um, you know, we've done a very good job, I think, of – um, saying why, you know, explaining a little bit more about what this actually is and saying why it's important. And I agree, by the way, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate right now. I, was like, I told John before we started recording, I was like, I feel like I'm not going to have anything to say because I'm just going to be like, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, as, as people who are interfacing with, you know, who are getting the emails after the sermons and all that and, and the podcast and stuff, how are um, – what has been a moment where you've been given pause with someone's individual story or pushback on this? Um, and you've thought, I see where you're coming from. I don't, we still don't agree, but like, okay. Yeah. I feel like there's been a, a concern, um, you know, when things like, or whatever's perceived to be critical race theory comes up and people bring it up and say, I'm I'm really concerned about this. And the concern is, um, for, people wanting to follow Jesus and keep them following Jesus. And something, you know, the boogeyman, which is what it's become, the boogeyman of critical race theory is something that's here to lead a bunch of people away and to cause them to, you know, go into whatever vast void it is that of darkness. And this is why we have to fight critical race theory. It becomes, it becomes less about actually listening to people and engaging their stories and seeing that real image bearers are affected by the things that not just critical race theory, but I mean, historians and and others who have been pointing out for for a long time. Uh, And it's again, it's personalizing this thing of critical race theory, you know, in a long line of other boogeymen that I feel like have been kind of haunting the church for a while, you know, maybe decades this is the new next thing. And now instead of actually being proactive, uh, the church is once again becoming reactive. So I think that's the posture that, that you know, people are coming from. The things that I've heard is that there's this concern, a reactive concern, instead of a proactive love and listening. 
And so, yeah, that's, that's been kind of the, the common thing that I've experienced. So I think with this, um, I think some credible responses have been, uh, one, um, if, if, if if that person is white, that they might say, but I'm not racist. And, they don't, and, and I would say it's a credible because like sometimes with this conversation, if you go too far, you it can be labeled and feel like every white person is da da da. Right. And that's why I hate even like right now when people are like all oh, white evangelicals. I'm like, goodness gracious. No. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just I can't mm-hmm. stand that. Um, but so I think that is true. Right. Um, I think it is true to say like we can't just always say everything in history was bad. Right. Like, they're, right, you know, because right. it's easy to do that. Yeah. It's like it's like Thomas Jefferson, like he was brilliant. Right. Mm-hmm. He was a brilliant mm-hmm. man mm-hmm. who um, the, fa- the founding fathers like established something that was flawed. But there was some brilliance in the system yeah. that they set up. However, it's important to also recognize like yeah. Thomas Jefferson, we would consider had statutory rape with a 16 year old, yeah. you know, slave. And, you know, there are other things there. So it's like. Sometimes in this conversation, like it feels like it always goes like one extreme way and we miss out on the good. I was like, that would be true. Like, I think that there's yeah. some credibility to that. I think that there's also um, one of the guys I was reading, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he said that in this conversation, there has been a shift in it. So um, he was saying how that there's a method. You can use CRT as a method, which is what it should be, mm-hmm. right? Like that's what it's supposed to be, um, a meta narrative or a mood. And so he, he says right now what is happening is people are misusing even the phrasing of critical race theory when it's not like that's supposed to be like talking into like some things that we're like, we're trying to figure out why is this here and what, you know, yeah. we're analyzing data, we're doing all this stuff. Like that's what it's supposed to do. Um, but it can start if you take it as a like your worldview as like the meta narrative, that's problematic, yeah. right? Especially yeah. as a Christian, that yeah. becomes problematic. So that that's there. I think the mood part, I would. So what what this guy said was that a lot of younger people who are not actually engaged with actual critical race theory yeah. are using it as a meta narrative mm-hmm. in their worldview, and that causes them to really look at things in the wrong way. Um, he when he talked about the mood part, he's like. He was saying, and and he's a black black, like high scholar. I think he was at Harvard as well. He might have yeah. been there actually with Bell. Um, mm. But um, he was saying the mood part can go either way. Yeah, that's a good point. Because he's like the mood thing can actually it is a reactionary emotional driver that is there for a reason, but that mood can carry also too far. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just think that there's like there can be like well rounded critiques of some of the stuff that are yeah. helpful. Yeah. Agree. Yeah, I think about some of the stories that I've heard of people that I'm close to, and I, obviously growing up in a white family and being a white guy, it's there are a lot of stories of white people, right? Older white people. Um, and you know, one of the things that has always given me pause is somebody's personal story. So, like, I'm um, really close to somebody who. Um, was in school during integration. Now, we can say on the meta, obviously, integration good, <laughs> right? <laughs> integration necessary, integration yeah. good, yeah. right? Um, but uh, she um, was just part of one of the, you know, weird weird sort of like programmatic loopholes where um, instead of 
the um instead of true integration like she basically just got bussed into an all-black school Mm -hmm. and then was bullied to the point of having to drop out of school and like basically it was like very scarring for her you know moving forward um now i think because of her deep faith in christ I have never perceived this person as racist and she's always open to having these conversations, which is amazing. But at the same time, when she's like, when she says things like, well, she actually, she doesn't say things like this because she's super cool about it. But when I hear people who I've heard similar stories from, they say things like, um, and it's usually older white folks, um, like you can't litigate the heart, like racism is a heart issue. And like, we can't litigate or change the laws to like change people's hearts. And so what's going to ha- end up happening is just, you know, which is true, which is true. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, what's going to end up happening. And then you hear the story of like, well, here's what happened to me. And again, I think when you, when you do that writ large, you know, it's still a relative, like statistically, this is a very small amount of people of, of like w- white people who had these terrible, you know, injustices happen or you know whatever these terrible situations Mm -hmm. happen with with integration and of course you can't look at an eight-year-old girl and be like well sorry you're sort of like (laughs) this is society has to get better so you have to be miserable you know um it's a statistically such a small amount but like that statistic still accounts for thousands of people and and as pastors especially like we're going to encounter those people um another story is uh you know guy um again older guy that i heard that that i'm close with um comes home from vietnam you know fought for his country got hurt so like something terrible happened he doesn't love to talk about it comes home and tries to get a job at the car factory where he grew up and he shows up and it's when um um uh, what do I? What's what's uh, affirmative action? Like yeah. it kind of first started. There, mm-hmm. there was, and again, rightfully so. The factory was doing something to like make sure that they were giving people of color who are coming back from the war like a job, yeah. which is again awesome. His story is though like I basically got sent away, and mm-hmm. he came from a family that was below working class, like no running water in their house. Like yeah. you know, he always says hillbillies, like we were hillbillies, you know. <laughs> and he ended up having to. He has this great story about like he had to, like I can't remember it totally, but like change his clothes and like sneak back in, and he like burst into somebody's office and was like, "I ha- I need a job. I'm so sorry, but like I have to get a job or I'm going to be homeless." And he ended up getting the job and or whatever. Yeah. But again, like macro good, yeah. like good that they were making, especially a car factory was making a concerted effort in the seventies at this point to like hire people of color in a time when it was very hard for especially men of color coming back from Vietnam. Ma- micro this guy's particular story, he's going to be like, yeah, this is, you know, like CRT is just yeah. another version of this thing where I couldn't right. get a job and had yeah. to do X, Y, Z. And two things can be true at once. That can be very hard for you and also good for us as a country, Mm -hmm. right? But that's hard to explain, especially to somebody who didn't grow up with stuff like the Enneagram, stuff like emotional health and like therapy and non-dual thinking. and like the Enneagram. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) So I'm not really trying to make a point as much as I'm just trying to like keep – help us all keep in mind that um, as – as Christians and as churchgoers and as pastors, like we always are trying to balance the like your personal story versus like what's good for society as a whole. Does that make sense? That makes that makes total sense, man. And I think it it actually points to it reminds me even what you said because I mean I've had similar encounters with, with people who are like you know white people who are like, 
you know, I experienced this growing up and, you know, from, you know, this black person or this or that. And it's like, uh, I think that's where a lot of the disconnect happens is because when black people are talking about racism, largely, I mean, it's not, again, a monolith, but we're talking more about the, the structural, uh, non-interpersonal way that racism, fruits of it, have impacted our lives, you know, and, and I think oftentimes with the white people that I've talked to, it's very so much an interpersonal thing. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a, you know, you can hate me, I can hate you, people hate, you know, each other, and we need to squash that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, rightly so. I mean, and, and I think, again, that, that leaves us talking on two different wavelengths a lot of times because, you know, black people are talking, hey, it's like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, you don't have to like me. Let's just change the laws. Mm-hmm. Let's just fix some of these inequalities and yeah. disparities. And, you know, when, when it's white people, it's, hey, let's come together. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, let's just put it all behind us. Let's hold hands. Let's, let's move past it. And so we need to acknowledge both. And I think the church primarily, I mean, should be addressing both. But really, we have an opportunity to, to be able to solve that interpersonal racism because of Jesus, mm-hmm. like you're bringing it back to the gospel. Um, but again, when we're, we're one can't, one of those, only addressing one of those isn't going to cover the full picture. And so I think that's where a lot of the disconnect happens. It's like, what, what do you mean? Like, you're talking about race. I've been, I've been sinned against in this way. It's like, no, nobody's, nobody's not saying that. We're talking about, like, the state doing this kind of thing that you've experienced on an interpersonal level and, and consistently doing it. We need to change that. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it would be, you know, encouraging. And that's what I always try to point people back to is like, yeah, sure enough, your story, again, is important. It's, you know, we all sin and sin against each other. And that... That needs to be talked about. And Jesus addresses that. But again, we, we also have this structural societal things, these bigger things that that happen that are really complex and are hard to understand. Could I get you to even consider mm. that this could be a reality for people that affects them in a real way, just like you've been affected in a real way by by the ways that you, you know, things you've experienced and so forth. So no, was it James good. Baldwin that said? If you want to lynch me, that's your problem. If you're allowed to lynch me, that's my problem. I think problem. so. Yeah. That's yeah. Thing. yeah. Yeah. That, that so. has always really stuck with me of like when we talk about the micro versus the macro yeah. of like um, – and even in Jesus' life, it's like there's a – it's all – it's we need to um, you know follow him in all things, right? But there is a difference between like his interaction with the woman at the well and his interaction with power with like Caesar or I'm sorry, Pilate or, um, or the Pharisees or or whatever, like, and he's doing both. He's he's having that conversation, you know, that one-on-one conversation. And then he's also having the, like, you know, talking to 50,000 people or whatever, 20,000 people on the (laughs) side of a hill. Um, so I think, I think that's important. I always think about the only like analogy I can really think of is we've often in this past year, especially in Richmond, like talked about racism as a demon. Like it's a, mm, it's a yeah. possession that we have to yeah. deal with, like exercise, sort mm-hmm. of a societal sort of like evil um, that we have to exercise. And it always makes me think of like, there are certain people I talk to who kind of feel like they must have owned the pigs in the Garrison. <laughs> mm. Like you uh, never, you never hear about that uh, guy in the story yeah, where yeah. he's just like, Bro, <laughs> those, are, yeah. my those are my pigs. And yeah. it's like, you have to, I mean, Jesus, I feel like would look at that guy and be like, look, this had to happen. And, yeah. you know, this is what it is. Yeah. And like, this is what's good and right. But also, I see you. <laughs> Sorry about your pigs. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, that's a very good analogy. Man. That is, that's um, really good. I think, too, when we start talking about our faith integrated into this, this becomes... Um, I think if you're a Christian, you've got to hit pause sometimes on these cultural conversations because we can all get 
roped in. Like I was telling Matt the other day that I I felt like um, I got in a little bit of a hole, mm. like just like into some of these cultural conversations because yeah. I'm like I just want to speak to some of these things like for you know our church and try and realizing that I I think I might have gotten in a little bit of a hole because you can so easily do yes, that you yes. know. And um, whereas when we start thinking about the kingdom of God, there is this, we should think ideologically, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. like there is like, we, we understand the realities, yeah. but we think ideologically. Like we, we understand that race is a man-made construct, yeah. right? But we also see that like God designed it to be that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that we would have different colors and different ethnicities and every tribe and tongue and every right, nation, right. right? And so we embrace that part. It's not colorblind. We're not supposed to be colorblind. Right. And then we understand that um, racism is a real thing or we, we, yeah. we've been talking like a demonic thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, does that make every single thing racist? Right, right. Yeah. No. No. I mean, no, like there no. are things that happen in this world yeah. that like that wasn't racist. It just yeah. like stuff happens, right? But I think when we step back for a second as like, believers were like hey all right we can address some of this stuff and be aware of it and to your point matt about like even like the woman at the well every time jesus had an interaction with a marginalized person he listened Mm, yes he listened yes and that point of like pausing and listening and taking and then he part but the kingdom of God is like there's this restoring healing power yeah yeah and i think we forget that piece right it's like we just want to keep talking or we want to like prove a point rather than like for me and like the, in a lot of the racial conversation, like I've just been just trying to more like read more non-white folks, you know, and just yeah. be like, I just want to like, listen, like I've got opinions on who doesn't have opinions yeah. on things. Right. You know, right. but like, right. but like, I just want to like, listen. Cause like, this is what G- we, if we're Christians, we should model listening better than anybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So even in this conversation about CRT, it's like, Let's pause and like listen, yeah. You know, instead yeah. of like all of a sudden having to your point, there's always a boogeyman in yeah. Christianity, right? Yeah. Which is a whole conversation. <laughs> but um, but like let's be the best at like listening to like the why that's there and mm-hmm. and and like yeah, I think so. So many times you all was pointing about someone will share a story like I experienced this too, and I'm like yes, like I think it's James too would say there's a sin of partiality. Yeah. In, all of us, all races can do that. And that is a sin. Yeah. Right. And we address that. Um, that doesn't preclude us from talking about. Yeah. Issues. Right. Right. So I think that there's like a level with this, like just as Christians, we've really got to be incredible listeners um, first because that's literally what Jesus modeled. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we're running a little long, but. I really wanted to bring this up and see what you guys thought about it. Yeah, can we good? Which we do out of laziness, so then we don't have to record it. (laughs) Wrong with that? No. Um, I think a big issue here. I I read. I can't remember who it was. It was definitely it was like a conservative um, thinker, um, and I think he's a politician, but I can't remember. Um, And he said he basically like kind of laid this thing out. It was a black guy. It was a black conservative. He kind of laid this thing out of like, look, if we teach this in schools, which again. I reject the premise of that because we're not teaching it to sixth graders, but <clears throat> let's say that's true. <laughs> um, if if we teach this in schools, like it's basically going to like, I think he said something like it's going to rob young black kids of the American dream. It's basically going to tell them that like the system is set up against you 
And even if it changes, it's somehow set up to like, now it's going to be set up to favor you. And so you're not going to be able to sort of, quote unquote, you know, work your way up from your bootstraps. And I heard it. I don't agree, but I, I heard him. First off, I don't think anybody works their way up from the bootstraps, but, um, but I heard him. And, and one of the things that struck me about that is like, look, the role uh, for me, I feel like one of the great things about conservative thinking is warning, like, hey, Keep in mind, this is where this could go. Like, maybe we should keep things the same. Again, like mm-hmm. giving yeah. giving it the most, you know, the the most positive sort of shine. Like, it's a warning of like, hey, you know, there's watch out where this goes, you know. And I think in the same way, more progressive thinking is like, yeah, but what could be true? You know, like it's sort yeah. of the dreaming versus the re- the reality, yeah. and, there, and we all need that balance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But one thing that I was thinking about was like, um. We as Christians often don't talk about or acknowledge the fact that most sin, and I would say a lot of evil in the world, is the devil taking a good thing and overextending it. Like even like when he's in the desert with Jesus, it's like he quotes scripture at Jesus. Like yeah. the devil yeah. quotes scripture. That's crazy. You know, or there's a million different examples of sin specifically, but I think also like more a deeper evil being like, let's take a good thing and let's push it to its absolute extreme. Yeah. Even like the snake in the garden, like go back and read that conversation. It's actually, it's gaslighting, which is interesting, but we won't do that. Right <laughs> uh, like, surely, wow. surely, <laughs> hey, hey lady, hey lady, wow. surely God didn't mean wow. that. No, that can't be, you know, but anyway. Um, amazing. Sorry. It's sorry amazing. for our friends, our maybe more conservative friends that are like, oh, he said the word, I'm out. Um, uh, but, you know, the idea of what we're arguing about is, is the idea of CRT good or bad? And then the other argument is, can it be used for bad? Or will it more often be used for bad? Like mm. we t- here, we talk about the Enneagram as don't use it as a sword or as a shield. Mm. Yeah, right? that's good. Don't hide behind it and don't attack other people. Yeah, that's it. good. Any good idea can be used that way. Yeah, You can take, <laughs> including the gospel, like yeah. remember the Crusades, <laughs> like... You can yeah. take any good thing. There's no thing that's so pure that, yeah. that the devil can't use the human mind to take it and beat someone over yeah. the head with it. Yeah. So yeah, I th- I think CRT is good, and I tend to be probably I've been I've tried to be quiet because I tend to be probably over on board for things like that. Um, but like yeah, we can acknowledge that sure it could be taken and bludgeoned, but that and bludgeoned somebody with it. But that people doesn't mean are it's, doing that. And people are yeah. doing that. There's no doubt. Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's definitely happening. A thousand yeah. percent. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean it itself is inherently yeah. bad Correct. or that we should yeah. stop it or that yeah. we should ex, you know, like never teach it or never yeah. pursue it. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of like, I don't know. Does that make sense? Does it, that yeah. Like, yeah. It's something that I, I've found in my sessions one-on-one with people that I'm constantly reminding people of is like, remember when you're saying, su- when you're making value judgments about a person, a thing, an idea, mm-hmm. a theory or whatever, like literally there's no good idea that the devil hasn't taken and stretched to the point of being not a good idea anymore. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make the core. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Is what we yeah. say. Um, the second thing I want to, and this is like maybe more for folks and younger folks for sure um, that are consider themselves more progressive or like very on board for this or whatever. Something that I always being in between, like I'm an older millennial, so I'm sort of like in between the two, something that I always try to encourage younger folks and myself, for sure myself over the last few years of is words have power. Yeah. The the term 
the term racism definitely has power. The 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 descriptor racist has a lot of power. Yeah. Like, thank God we live in a in a society where that's still considered an insult. Like, sure, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. That people it's, are it's hurt hurt by being called racist, right? Um, I, I guess I just want to encourage people to like that's a that's a powerful weapon. Keep it in its sheath until it's time to use it. Don't yeah. if you yeah. overuse it, it will oh, lose yeah. it. Yeah. You know, if like if your 85 year old grandmother is like, I just love the colored lady that lives next door. I really hope that she gets everything she wants in life. And I hope that and I hope that the government like or, you know, like I hope our system starts to support her better. Don't be like, Grandma, (laughs) you're a racist. You know, like she literally wants the same thing you did. She just didn't know about that word. You Um, know, like that's not the preferred. Or so we've had a, a running thing like to this phrasing, you know, people be like, oh, the patriarchy. Is there a reality that's not? Yes. But like sometimes you just didn't get the job because you weren't qualified. Right. Yeah. Like don't over, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah. We're robbing these concepts of their yeah. power right. by Correct. overusing. Yes. Exactly. Like, exactly. They're a real thing. Yeah. yeah. Like samurai, yeah. always makes me think this is nerdy, but like samurais would never unsheath their sword unless they intended to draw blood. Like you never, <laughs> yeah. you could not put your sword back in its sheath until it had tasted blood. <laughs> yeah. Like don't pull the racist word out in, unless like it's, like necessary that yeah, somebody yeah, has yeah. a prophetic call out in that moment. Yeah. Does that make sense? That does. That does. Yeah. yeah. Rishan, what would you encourage like just Christians in engagement with this um, in thinking about, you know, Jesus teachings or just like our like presence as like trying to build his kingdom of like, cause you know, there is like, we are, re- there's a reconciling power in the yeah, of yeah, so, yeah. So, what would you what would you encourage? Yeah, I would definitely encourage listening. Like, like I think, as, as we talked about earlier, um, Christians should be people who listen, who listen well, um, and who aren't, you know, defensively listening, as if there's something about God that we'll lose, or some type of, you know, contagious variant that will jump on us if we hear uh, an idea that we're uncomfortable with or don't agree with. I think it's it's sort of loosening from that type of defensive posture, especially when it comes to listening to the experiences of others, to be able to say, I don't know, or wow, that, man, that sends me spinning, or man, that, that actually undoes a little bit of everything that I know. Um, that's okay. And, and, you know, when and if that does happen, you don't have to rebuild it all up tomorrow. It'll, it'll take time. But I would say encourage listening um, and then engaging with with actual sources, with, with people, with actual experiences, but also with, you know, with history, actual history and, and getting outside of our, our regularly, you know, our tribe readings and different things and, and trying to engage with an, with an open mind, but also with an open Bible as well. Um, what, what people are saying and have been saying. And, and I think you'll find that, you know, especially when it comes to this, this issue of, of racism in America, um, you'll find a lot of followers of Jesus who who say some really, uh, really hard things, some really clear things, but also some things that uh, that Jesus himself would would stand behind and support. And, and uh, again, that's that's not you're not going to always find that everywhere. But for a large part, there, this has been a this has been a part of the Christian tradition. And I think a lot of people uh, and, you know, more, more white people are, are just sort of uh, ignorant of that fact that this is actually a part of the Christian tradition and what Jesus calls us to do and who he calls us to be. Um, and so I, I would I would encourage with that um, to just sort of get outside of the regular, but also to listen well. Yeah, that's great. I think, you know, when 
at the core of the gospel and of Christianity, like what we're supposed to bring into this world is love. Like yeah. we, that is literally the base of, <laughs> base of our <laughs> entire belief system, right? Yeah. And I think black, white, brown, like we model that towards one another well. And I think, or we're supposed to. Hmm. And I think when it comes to listening to someone's counter narrative, yeah. like that's part of like loving, right? When it's coming to be, um, you know, even like when Paul talks about in Colossians 2 about like, not being like deceived by human or hollow philosophy and Mm -hmm. human philosophy because it relies on human tradition and everything to understand that that can also be in your church. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like just because you're in a church does not mean that there hasn't been some hollow or deceptive philosophies that been brought about by human tradition. And so I think like understanding when we really want to love one another, we do listen. When we want to love one another, we interact with counter narratives. When we want to love one another, we're trying to inject the gospel and Jesus into everything. And I don't think we just do that enough, you know, and I think we have to be great at that. Yeah. That is literally our calling as followers of Jesus and to get away from that. I'm all for the discussions and all those things and counterpoints and all of that stuff. Those are fun. Like we, we love that Matt and I do that. 10 of our working hours a week are probably doing that in the uh-huh. office. But, um, now that we're back in the office, it's like, it's I, I told Annabelle, who's new to the staff the other day, I was like, this is why nothing gets done. <laughs> we went on like an hour rant just oh sitting God. there. It's just Anyway, it happens all the time. But, um, <laughs> but those things are good and like they're healthy. And But like they're, we have to do those things out of love for one another and a, and a yeah. driving force of like believing in the kingdom of God. I don't think we believe in... We would rather be fearful of a boogeyman than believe in the power of the kingdom yeah. of God. Yeah, well said. And so um, I think that's a problematic element to, I think, what's happening just kind of culturally yeah. in Christianity. So, Absolutely. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks Hold on. Just... Before, we, oh. before we end, I think it would be good. Okay. Um, you can edit this part. Okay. Um, you changed your voice. So yeah. I think... I, I think it would be good if we gave people some things to maybe read yeah, or... Okay. Um, yeah discuss i think that would be yeah. helpful because i do you cause have some of those things? i have a few that i could just like Rishon, you might i assume i got top a, of your yeah, head. yeah. Top my head, um because the i mean there are differentiating voices around this of non-white folks and yeah. i think we also have to like mm-hmm. say that that's okay yeah <laughs> you know so yeah anyway all right. Well, before we wrap up, um, I think we really want to make sure that people have next steps. Like, okay, cool. I'm I'm willing to have the conversation. What do I do now? And and honestly, some of you may not like this answer. Read. <laughs> Sorry, especially if you, you like listen. podcasts. You yeah, no, you can like listen. For well, yeah, you yeah. can do Audible. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Rishon, do you have like a couple of um, a couple of resources that you would recommend to people who want to sort of learn more about this and. Sure. Yeah, I think there are a few that really stand out. Um, you know, just on the top of my mind, and, and for now, they're all written by Christians. I'm, I'm thinking. I think any biography of any type of um, historical African American leader, Frederick Douglass, uh, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, James Baldwin, you know, Ida B. Wells. The list goes on. Um, it, that would be super encouraging to pick up and read, just to hear about their life and their work. But particularly as it pertains to, you know, Christians and, and the church, uh, Divided by Faith, a book written by uh, Michael Emerson and Christian Smith. That's actually a really good book that talks about sort of why uh, Christians keep missing each other in these conversations. Uh, and it deals with the history and even offers some some sort of roadmap going forward. 
as far as how we can do better at engaging around this issue. I think a, a new book that's come out recently is Reparations. I mean, that's, again, uh, it's going to be controversial, I know, to some to hear a title like that. But uh, I'd really say to just pick it up and read it and, and be engaged and engage with it. Uh, I think that's a great book as well. Um, trying to think of at least one more that, that would be helpful. Um, I would say The Color of Compromise. Mm. Again, I think by, that's by Jamar Tisby. That's another that great excellent. book. His um, second one was good, too. I'm drawing a blank on the how to fight, How to Fight Racism. Yes, that's really, equally a great really book. Good. Color of yeah. Compromise is more history. Uh, how to Fight Racism is more, more practical. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and maybe, yeah, read them together. Read them both. Uh, those are some good books, I think. Esau Macaulay's book, Reading While Black, was really good. Yes. And um, just it's just super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some... Uh, Southside Rabbi, which is a, um, a really great podcast. Yes, um, yes. It's KB, who's a rapper, and I can't remember the other guy. Amin, Amin Hudson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, they, they, they're great. Mm-hmm. They're really great, and and they're actually like pretty conservative. Yeah, like they're yeah. like conservative folks, but like yeah. they give some incredible perspective. Um, it's a guy named Dr. Anthony Bradley on Twitter is yes. is interesting. Um, he's got some super interesting takes sometimes. Um, and listen, I would never say don't read Thomas Sowell or Larry right, Elder right. or something that like I would. Well, I would say don't listen to Candace Owen. But like yeah, the yeah. Um, but yeah. but there are a lot of like because they come from a different perspective. And, yeah. it, and it's good to have a well-rounded like perspective around. Yeah, John McWhorter. Uh, yeah. he's yeah, he's yeah. got a got a good, another well-rounded perspective on it. Not he's good to read. He's got a lot of books out too. Pass the mic is another one. Yeah, mm, good podcast good, to yeah. listen to. Yeah, so. cool. Well, those are good resources. Um, great. Well, thanks to everybody um, for tuning in and for listening in. If you have questions, comments, quips, quotes, or concerns, or, you know, if you want, I'm notoriously bad about listing all of the books and stuff uh, in the show notes. Um, so if you are like, hey, I missed that. Can you give me a link to XYZ book? Shoot us an email. We can do that. Um, and you can email us at staycurious at hillcityrva.com. Um, again, thanks to Rayshawn for being here. Um, rate and review us and share it so other people can get in on the conversation. And until next time, as always, remember to stay curious. curious.